Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. It's Friday, and that means it's Godzilla. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. I write for The Rap. I write for Slash Film. I write for The Film Verdict. Everybody calls me Bibs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. I write for Slash Film. Do a lot of writing over at Slash Film. I wrote uh, 2,200 words today about it. So uh, uh, The Clara Bow film? Yes, the Clara Bow film. Wow, that's cool. No, it was. Uh, there's a lot more to write about the mythology of Pennywise the Clown from Stephen King's novel It. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, it's uh, pretty heavy. Because, golly, it went way deeper than I thought. I, and I already <laughs> knew it went pretty deep. Yeah, no, there's I, a, there's I, a I whole knew, rabbit hole. I knew the part that Pennywise was actually a creature called a glamour yeah. that lived in the void cracks in between dimensions. Yes. And was, like you do. was able to access a power, what was it called, like the dark light or the uh, death light, something like that. Oh, it was, um, yeah, it's like the death lights or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, the night lights, what, I forgot. No, it's, hold on, it's the, it's the something lights. Something lights. It's the something lights, hold and on. And also, I, I also knew that Pennywise was rivals with a creature called... Dead lights. The dead lights. Uh, Pennywise was rivaled with a creature called the Maturin, yes. which was a giant the tur- turtle. The turtle that vomited up the Earth in many of Earth's creation myths. Yes. What I didn't know is that there's more that like they're not even the top deities. Oh there's yeah, like no, that's a whole several thing. strata of deities above them in Stephen King lore. Yeah, and I learned all about the Crimson King mm-hmm. and how uh, he relates to the Dark Tower. And there's creatures that can crack through once the tower is toppled, and how the the priest who is trying to topple the tower is reaching through dimensional portals and grabbing children with the shining. Yep. And using their like second powers to topple this tower. So all connected supra monsters above Pennywise can come in and destroy earth. So when we do thank it, it's Friday. Thank it's Friday. This will be, (laughs) (laughs) this will be relevant because to the best of my knowledge, Godzilla never fought a giant clown. Unless you count Gigan, that thing's pretty goofy. But uh, <laughs> Poor or, or Jet Jaguar, Jet um, Jag. Um, okay, yeah, kind of Jet Jaguar. <laughs> Jet is kind of a clown. Jet Jaguar kind of looks a little, little clowny. Mm. Anyway, um, this is not a Stephen King podcast. I don't want to. No, no, this no. is. I don't know how but it we is got, a monster podcast. It is a monster podcast. This is thank Godzilla. It's Friday. Whitney and I uh, are reviewing every single film. In the Godzilla franchise, whether it's directly part of it or even tangentially related, in order, we screwed up once, but we corrected ourselves, uh, and uh, it's been a weird trip, man. And uh, <laughs> Some we, kooky films in this series. I love it. We have hit, this week, a significant film, I think, in the Godzilla uh, mm. series. I think, for a couple of reasons, but primarily... There's one moment in this film that I think is a prominent, for better or worse, turning point Mm. in Godzilla as a character. I think after this film, it's hard to look at Godzilla exactly the same Mm. way again. And I think that a lot of the films that followed might not have been possible if this shift in our perception of Godzilla had not been taken. (laughs) And we can argue whether or not that's Mm. good or bad. As the episode progresses, we are talking about a film called Invasion of Astro Monster, which is, I would just like to say, a very inaccurate title. Well, the 
the uh, title that was used when it was released in North America was Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. Yeah. Which is more accurate. Which is more accurate, but also somewhat misleading. Monster Zero uh, is a name that this movie gives to uh, Godzilla's nemesis from the previous film, King Ghidorah. Mm. It turns out that when King Ghidorah fled Earth at the end of that movie, he fucked off to a previously unknown planet in our solar system, which they also say is just a sort of a previously undiscovered moon of Jupiter, meaning it's not a planet. Mm. Just throwing that out there. It's you a kinda, moon. It's a moon. But in any... So instead of... They call it Planet X. It should be Moon X, but whatever. And... King and they, and has, they say, and yeah. they say, oh, and we've discovered a fifteenth moon of Jupiter. Jupiter is like eighty moons. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, maybe they hadn't found them all in the sixties. I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm not. I'm not up on my astronomy. But let me let me check that actually on that Jupiter's be, moons. Might be interesting. Um, King Ghidorah fucked off to this place called Planet X, which has uh, a species of aliens called the Zalians. Zillions. Sorry, the Zillions. Sorry. From yeah. From Planet X. Which look like uh, the word aliens, except instead of the A at the beginning, it's an X and an I. So it's kind of daring you to figure out how to pronounce mm-hmm. it. Um, it turns out that the Zillions don't call King Ghidorah King Ghidorah. They didn't have the peanuts to mm. tell them what King Ghidorah's name is. So they had to come up with their own name. And, and because they're uh, they're aliens, and they they wear these big collars and little cool. Oh, we need to talk about their whole aesthetic. Li- li- little antennas uh, up we'll, the top of their heads. We'll get to their aesthetic in a minute. I'm just trying to talk about this. They didn't know what to call King Ghidorah, and they're a very mathematical species, so they called him Monster Zero. Mm-hmm. So the they wanted American audiences to say Godzilla versus Monster Zero. And I don't think you can rebrand a villain like that after one movie. Can you imagine if after Tim Burton did Batman 1989, mm. the next film he did was called Batman versus the Creep Zero, and it was just the Joker again, but they didn't. They were trying to trick you into thinking it was a different villain. People, there would have been rioting in the streets. <laughs> You can't. You can't just. Right. You can't. No one rebrands like that. It's it's wild. So. All right. So Ganymede mm. and Callisto. Oh god, I'm glad we're doing and, this. And Io and Europa were discovered in 1610. Okay, so we've had them for a while. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It's it's been a while. And then it was a little while before we discovered more Jupiterian moons. Sure. Uh, discovering uh, Deimos, Phobos. Those are Martian mm. satellites. Uh, 20th century. You okay. Can do it, uh, it wasn't until 1904 oh. that, uh, so yeah, like hundreds of years later, that we discovered Himalaya, Elara, and Pacify, and Sinope. Okay. They might have Sinope. I think it's Sinope. Yeah. Uh, then we discovered Pluto, 1930. Mm. Not a moon of Jupiter. Uh, Lysithia and Carmi were in 1938. Okay. And Nanki was in 1951. And then it wasn't until 74, after this movie was made, that we discovered Lita. So I guess it, it in might terms be of more what accurate was, what than we're giving known credit for. Yeah. at the time. Yeah. And, and finding a new moon of Jupiter was a relatively common occurrence in the 20th century, apparently. So yeah. it really wasn't even that far outside the realm. Well, then, yeah, in 1980, it was the- yeah. Phoebe and Met- Metis. Uh, yeah, we, we got a, a lot of these moons. And they, yeah. we even discovered a, a Jupiterian moon as recently as 2000. So. Wow. Okay, so if anyone is going to go on Jeopardy, 
and they need you to name like five Jupiterian moons, you're welcome. You've got that now. That's all. Yeah, by uh, most counts, Jupiter has between 80 and 95 moons. So, yeah, that. We know there's a lot more, too, that we haven't, like, discovered or named. I know, we should probably get to this actual movie thing. So, uh, Invasion of Astro Monster begins uh, with a couple of astronauts uh, en route to Planet X already. Uh, They are uh, Fuji. Uh, Fuji is played by Akiro Takorara. And Glenn... Played by Nick Adams, because this isn't NASA, this isn't even uh, the Japanese space program, it is the World Space Agency. Well, we're clearly in a parallel universe, and in fact, yeah. if, if you look up uh, facts about this movie, it takes place in the year 1960X. Yeah, uh, which... which suggests sometime in the 60s, but we're non-specific. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I first discovered that numbering system from Mega Man video games. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. In, yeah. in, the, in the year 20... 2000, yeah, it was 200X, and those mo- yeah. games came out in like the late 80s, so yeah, just seems, say, seems futuristic. It's the future, but it's keeping it a little vague, but eventually we'll hit the 2010s, and that will be the past. Mm. So maybe just 21XX would have been better or yeah. something, but in any case. I, I know in... Uh, they made fun of that in like strong bad cartoons. They yeah. made like a fake anime that took place in the year twenty XD six two zero X six. Glenn is played by Nick Adams. We mm. remember Nick Adams from uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World. Uh, American actor did quite a few films in Japan. Uh, we'll see him again. Uh, they are en route to Planet X, uh, but while they are en route to Planet X, Fuji has something very important on his mind, and he tells the head guy. At the what was it? The World Space, World Space. Agency. Can, can you yeah. say something to to, to a girl? I, I want to. I want to. I need to talk to my sister who conveniently works for the World Space Agency, and I love this moment because like they turn to this uh, uh, to this woman. Hmm. Uh, she's played by Keiko Sawai. Um, they turn to her, and she just shakes her head like, "I'm not here." <laughs> because he says you tell her don't you do anything until i get back i'm very mad and it turns out he wants to control her social life like mm. it was like decades ago and women had no agency uh she is in this is the 1960s and... yeah so she's she's in love with an inventor uh the inventor is really important to the film actually uh, he has got a, uh, he has an invention that is, everyone says is a terrible idea. It's called the Lady Guard Portable Alarm. Which is a thing. It's actually a thing. I don't know if this film predates that being like yeah, as, as ubiquitous as it is now, but everyone says this is a terrible idea. It is a personal security device Specifically marketed to women for if they are, for example, attacked. Attacked in the street. It's, yeah. it's, and they turn it's this... about the size of a hockey puck. Yeah. Uh, but it's like thinner. They can yeah. keep it in their purse and yeah. it gives off like the, the loudest possible a alarm. very high-pitched, mm. irritating alarm that has a very wide range. Uh, and it's supposed to, you know, call attention to the fact that you are, you might be the victim of a crime right now. 
uh, thus hopefully deterring the crime and bringing people to your aid. And watching everyone in this movie say that that's a terrible idea when actually that's not a bad idea at all. That's actually well, a pretty well-intentioned idea. And we think it's not a bad idea because we have them. I've yeah. seen them. You can get these little speakers that with a ring on it. It's like a, a grenade. It has a little yeah. pin. And you pull the pin out and the alarm goes off. Yeah. And it takes a little while to put that pin back. So, yeah. you know, an attacker can t- k- take the speaker from you, but they can't get it to shut off. Exactly. And so, like again, these are practical devices. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of different personal safety devices of various levels of efficacy and people have their preferences. Um, I honestly would be very curious. I, I didn't really get a chance to really research this when this particular type of personal security advice started being marketed to people. Mm. This might be the rare situation in which people making a movie had to create a character who was brilliant and created an ahead of its time device and mm. actually created a good idea for the device. It's like when, uh, Spider-Man, uh, invented in his comics the Spider Tracer, where he invented like a little microchip that he would fling on people and made it look like a little spider, and it would react to his spider sense so he can follow people throughout New York. That inspired people to actually build tracer devices based on that principle, which uh, is neat. That's Sp- true. Spider Man did that. Spider Man did that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had, uh, I do know that a lot of technology that we have, uh, because a lot of like engineers and inventors watch yeah. Star Trek, things like yeah, the, fli- yeah, yeah. the flip open communicators or like screen based communication. Those things were uh, ac- actively pursued, or a lot of people got ideas on how to build those things from from Star Trek. Yeah, uh, there was another one I was reading about once, um, which was uh, they were trying to figure out how to raise a sunken boat. Mm. from the bottom of the sea or a lake or something like that. And apparently the inspiration for how to do it came from an ep- from an issue of Scrooge McDuck comics. Oh, do they put balloons on it? Uh, they, they, they put a balloon inside of it. Sort of. I believe in the comic they put ping pong balls. Mm. Just gradually more and more. They just put a tube down there mm. and put more and more ping pong balls until that... I don't know if that's exactly the mode that they use in order to do it in real life, but the principle yeah. was pretty sound, actually. And mm. so that's what they ended up doing. Um, so, yeah, you never know where inspiration's gonna come. Anyway, that subplot will be important. He doesn't think this guy's good enough for his sister. Uh, the main plot is these guys go to Planet X, and it turns out Planet X got some people there. We already mentioned got, them, the Zillions. The, the Zillions, Exillions. Yeah, the, the Zillions are, uh, uh, they live underground, and like all alien species from the 50s and the 60s have amazing fashion sense. It's like everyone on this planet like, is in the member of the band Devo. Like, they all look really they, cool. They have these... um, D- Devo took a lot of inspiration from these old movies that I they watched on TV. I'm just trying to paint a picture. In fact, uh, I think... When, when was Mark Mother's Ball born? He's older than he, than he mm. looks. Um, okay. It's entirely possible he's seen he saw Godzilla movies. I'm sure. Oh no, he definitely did. Yeah. He's he said as much. Yeah. Anyway, the Zillions. Uh, Whitney yeah, Mark, Mark Mothersbaugh was born in '50, so he's watching yeah. these movies as a teenager. Uh, Whitney already described them a little bit. They were these really cool black vests over gray suits. They have these giant turtlenecks that are really wide. Like it looks like you could play like a carnival game with them and like b- b- bounce ping pong balls into their turtlenecks. They have these like really thin like 
punk from a Frank Miller Batman comic sunglasses and uh, sort of like uh, swimmers caps. Mm. And they all wear the same thing and they all look badass. And they say... And they speak in a very alien yeah. sort of way. Yes, the very alien. They have a lot of alien things. They have unusual physical mannerisms where they make odd uh, gestures. Uh, and uh, and they say, yes, welcome to Planet X. Uh, we've, we're in a bit of a pickle here on Planet X because, uh, as you may have noticed, uh, we have a we monster live, zero. Well, we all live underground. Yeah. And the, the surface of the planet is destitute. Yeah. And it's Thanks the, in no small part to Monster and, Zero. And uh, I love this line of dialogue. Oh, yes, that is Monster Zero. Yes, back on your planet, you use words to name things. We use numbers to name... Like, like that's the more civilized way to go yeah, about it. Very the more lo- logical way. So it's, we named our, this creature you may call King Ghidorah. We call him Monster Zero. Yeah. Which is much better. Mm. Hmm. Most, I mean, it sounds cool. They pose the astronauts uh, a conundrum. They say we're gonna, or we're gonna make well, a deal. It's, it's just a, deal, it's a deal. Yeah. It's a, it's a flat out swap. They say, listen, we can't defeat King Ghidorah on our own. However, we know you defeated King Ghidorah with the aid of both Godzilla and Rodan. So we will swap you. You give us Godzilla and Rodan to bring to Planet X to fight King Ghidorah. And in exchange, cure for cancer. Yep. And I'm, I, I'm like, wow, that's actually a, it sounds like a pretty sweet deal. Like, if you think about it, Godzilla and Rodan, while they have been useful, like, once, <laughs> generally speaking, bit of a nuisance. Yeah. So, as far as Earth is concerned, this is pretty solid. They send them back to Earth. They, like, build a cooler rocket that, like, sends them back faster. And they go to Earth. And Earth immediately convenes of one of those big meetings. And I love this meeting because they say, this is the offer on the table from the Zillions. Uh, they want Godzilla and Rodan in exchange, cure for cancer. They only listen, they only, only two people speak at this meeting. Uh-huh. One, a representative of all the doctors in the world who says, we would very much like it if we could cure cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Which is honestly, yeah, honestly that would be that that sounds like a pretty good deal. Again, cannot argue with that. Uh and then the next uh person who gets to uh speak is the housewives delegate. Apparently at the UN, there's a spokesperson yeah. just for housewives and she says the housewives it's, it's, delegate would the, the delegation of housewives of the world would very much like peace so let's just do that and the guy in charge is like all right there are no objections let's cure this cancer and get rid of those giant monsters and so they track down rodan and godzilla who i would like to point out they are very very clear have not been seen since they since they saved the planet from king Ghidorah. they have not been seen since they turns out they're very tired they're very they're very tired and you know what keep to themselves mostly godzilla is sleeping in a lake rodan is sleeping in a mountain they are not bothering anybody and the zillions uh-huh. uh, are able to use their flying saucers love the classic flying saucer look good uh, luck uh, uh to uh, like use tractor beams and just lift them up while they're still mm-hmm. asleep 
and carry them through space up to Jupiter over to Planet X. Yeah. The picture of the sleeping Godzilla. It's so cute. It's kind of adorable because he's yeah. kind of like curled up and his tail's kind of curled. Yeah. It's like my cat when it's like just like in a, you, you find it on the couch. It's just like all like curled up in a ball. Like, mm. um, you remember uh, the, the cover of, you're going to be mad at me for using this word. Do, are, do you remember the cover of the Alien Quadrilogy? Which was oh, just gosh. the, the chest burster kind of curled up like it's inside your tummy. Oh, I, yeah. I, I don't think I remember that. Part yeah, if you there. look at the just the, an image of like a chest burster from the Alien series, all mm. curled up, that's what my cat Luca does. He uh-huh. likes to just curl up in a very particular ball with his feet kind of jutting up mm. like a shrimp tail, uh, and that's kind of what the Godzilla is yeah, doing. It's super cute. Also, the word is tetralogy. I hate that. <laughs> well, they, you, they made up a word. What's wrong with making up words? I'll make up a word right now. Skaboopaboop. Put it on a it, shirt. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it means to make up. I'm a, word. a little annoyed by popular cultures glomming onto the word trilogy uh-huh. as some sort of important storytelling device. Oh, I'm with you on that. There, there's, there's, That's just a buzzword. It, it's a buzzword, and, and it's and ar- people, it's arbitrary. People are like, oh, yeah, well, it has a beginning, middle, and end. I'm like, you can do the same thing with five movies. Yeah, that can have a beginning, middle, and end. I, I. I and, and yeah, that that now uh, stories need to be told in three parts, mm-hmm. and that's I feel led like to some trilogy, very very bad filmmaking decisions. I feel like the trilogy it seems like a good idea to a lot of studios because a it sounds like you have a plan, mm-hmm. uh, b it's a franchise, but it's a franchise with a with finite like, end. With a yeah. finite end, we're gonna do three of these bad boys, mm-hmm. all right. And if it moves on, we don't have to bring back necessarily the same cast and shit, but we can get all these people on board for a small number of movies. Mm-hmm. And then we're out. And I can appreciate that. Yeah. I think there's a certain practicality to it. And again, lots of great stories have been told in a trilogy mm-hmm. format. Uh, it it, it was, is a little arbitrary, though. There's yeah, so it, many other ways to tell a tale. It, it was, a, and it's really annoying. I, Star Wars started this nonsense, and uh, it was uh, kind of. I guess it did. Yeah. Were there any yeah. other like prominent trilogies? I mean, there, the there Orphic were, trilogy, but that was thematic. Uh, it, was, you know? it, was, it was thematic, and it was like spread out, like from yeah. the 30s to the 50s. Um, it, it's. Yeah, because by by glomming onto that word, it's sort of limited the ways a lot of stories mm-hmm. are told. And I feel like they tried to cram too much into three movies, or they spread mm-hmm. something out a little too far because they needed to get to three movies. Like, mm-hmm. just make a fourth. Yeah. You, you saw the... I like uh, The Last Jedi. That could have been two feature films. And then you could do another... You could do a fourth film. That, I honestly think they made a mistake in those movies by uh, not like having like a major time skip. Uh-huh. Like afterwards, like after The Last Jedi, because between The Force Awakens, between, okay, let me start over, between Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, a meaningful amount of time has, has passed. Characters okay. have changed, their relationships have, instead of having just met each other, they're fully formed as like a friendship unit. Yeah. Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie, and the droids. Um, and then there's a, I think there's like a year gap between Empire and Jedi, which is absurd because the whole reason why... Uh, you know, the whole reason for that gap is they needed to find a job of the hut, and he's from Luke Skywalker's hometown. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but my point is, when you have that little gap in between the movies, you a make it feel a little more epic. A lot more time has passed. You give yourself a, uh, an opportunity to imply story has occurred between those events, so you can have characters be in a slightly different place than we met them before. Maybe a little bit more adults, maybe having a little bit more of a stronger relationship with somebody. I think ending The Force Awakens 
with not just Ray going to find Luke Skywalker, which I think would have been fine, but actually handing him yeah. the, 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 the lightsaber forced The Last Jedi to take place one second later. Mm. And I think that was very limiting because now, and in that second movie, characters still haven't met each other yet. You don't get to have that little buffer zone mm. where you can have the new next film start like on its own merits and feel like its own mm. individual chapter. So it really does feel like the second half of The Force Awakens. And they could have done that again a lot more, yeah. I think, between The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. And then that film could have felt a little bit more like a standalone. And it, it's, I, I think mistakes were made, obviously. <laughs> I like Force Awakens and I love The Last Jedi, but uh-huh. the mistakes were made. Um, I don't even know how that relates to Astro Monster anymore. Um, meanwhile, on Earth... Well, what I appreciate yeah, about yeah. The, the structure of uh, the Godzilla movies uh-huh. is they, they just make shit up. Yeah, they they're just, kind of unapologetic just, about it. They just go it. along, and you know, it's yeah. like, there's aliens in this one. Oh, there are aliens before. Are we going to talk about the previous aliens? Maybe a no, little, no, but probably not. not. Not really, no. Like, these are new aliens, well, and they're they're I, creepier now? And again, they conveniently forget stuff if it's if it's just not what they're doing today. Hmm. Like, when they were like, oh, we have to fight, we have to get Godzilla, Rodan, and Mothra to fight King Ghidorah. And at no point in that film does anyone say, what about Kong? He did that job really good last time, and he's yeah. got those electro powers now. Wait, and, do, do we still have the Atragon? Can we use that thing to fight? Yeah, exactly. And and everyone they just conveniently left out. In this movie, the aliens specifically say, we are looking for Godzilla and Rodan to fight King Ghidorah because they defeated King Ghidorah. With Mothra's help, but Mothra managed. Ma- <laughs> Mothra, Mothra, Mothra was, was vital to that. To that, the, that Mothra brokered the peace. Yeah, convinced Godzilla and Rodan, kind of against their own self interests. Yeah, to save the planet Earth and more specifically the human race from King Ghidorah. All right, Mothra is vital to this, and the fact that this is we're starting to enter Avengers territory here, where at, by the end of this movie, aliens have literally conquered the planet, yeah. and monsters are all fighting each other, and you're starting to ask yourself, I feel like by now Mothra should be getting involved. <laughs> like, maybe not at first, but, but by the time the planet is being conquered, I do feel like it's starting to be a Mothra problem. Yeah. And it's a little ridiculous, but anyway. Uh, meanwhile, on Earth, that inventor I was telling you about who had the, uh, the lady guard. alarm, yeah. Uh, again, people told him he would never sell it. He has sold it to a mysterious corporation that, and, and, oh man, I just want to take him aside in the middle of this dinner meeting and just say, this is a bad idea. No money up front. You get all your money (laughs) off the back end. And I'm like, oh, you are getting screwed, sir. I don't care if this is a plot point or just capitalism at work, but man, no, 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 no. It's like the sting in uh, Inside Lewin Davis where he records that novelty song just so he can have a few bucks. He has bills to pay right today. And they offer him residuals of money up front. a bunch of money up front or like a little money right now and then like residuals. He's like, no, I want the money up front. And everybody in the audience is saying, no, we know how this works. And indeed... He gets screwed. That that song becomes an instant hit, oh. and he thought, "I'm playing it safe. This song is not very good. I'll get the hundred bucks. There'll never be any residuals on it." And instead, it would be like if like John Lennon was like, "I don't know, man. Is anyone even going to remember yesterday? I'll take a hundred bucks." <laughs> no, <laughs> don't do it. And before you know it, he's singing yesterday. Yeah, exactly. So, ah, but um. <laughs> 
So he sells it to this mysterious lady who runs this corporation, and then they fuck off and they won't communicate with him. And he goes to the to the office to say, hey, I'd like to speak to someone about my invention. It's been a while and no one's gotten back to me about kind of doing something with it. And maybe I can get that money and I can marry my girlfriend because my future brother-in-law is a giant asshole who hates me openly and is a real dick about it. Uh, and then we cut to the president of the corporation and he's like underneath like a sci-fi light and he's got like diodes coming out of his back it's like it's like that scene in empire strikes back where all of a sudden we see darth vader with his helmet off and some kind of rejuvenation tank oh yeah, yeah. and it's just like oh that seems fucking ominous and uh these guys come in and they say the president oh the guy who invented the lady guard is here and the presidents are like oh well get rid of that fucking guy and then he takes the plant like the the blueprints of the lady guard and just lights them on fire in his office and you know something is up <laughs> because Shiro Honda has set up this plot very subtly. And if you don't pay attention, you might miss it. Maybe my favorite joke in any of these movies, by the way, is in the sequence where he's bragging to his girlfriend, the inventor, mm -hmm. uh, that he's just sold this thing and his brother's going to get off his ass. Because he says, uh, people told me I'd never sell this device. Your brother said if I sold this device, he would stand on his head. And he had better start practicing. And then we cut to Fuji and Glenn in the spaceship. And the camera's upside down. And Fuji turns to Glenn oh, and says, right. yeah, Hey, yeah. does anything seem off to you? And Glenn's like, Oh, yeah, like the, al the altimeter is weird. Let me just suggest that. And then the camera writes itself. And oh, yeah. That is the most playful I've ever seen a Shiro Honda be. <laughs> that is a very well, funny joke. These, That's adorable right there. These, these movies are getting um, a, a lot more... Uh, Silly. Silly, comedic, uh, and kind of like pointedly so. And it's. Yeah, like clearly it's an intention. Yeah. You know, like I feel like by when we get to Destroy All Monsters, things will get a little bit uh, mm. sort of epic again for a minute. Sure. But immediately thereafter, we start getting into like. You know, every horror of the deep, right. and you know. Uh, oh, eventually... no, Ebra's before. Ebra's next. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's not okay. next for us, but it's the next for Godzilla, yeah. Okay. And that. that okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. But it will take a tone like this to start getting creatures in like Gigan, yeah. like Megalon, which is that big beetle with drills for hands, like Jet Jaguar, like Minila. Uh, it's just going to get kind of, you know, kind of ridiculous. And there's a reason why these movies have a reputation for being campy in the United States. Mm -hmm. And that built uh, over time. It's yeah. like it would be uh, people's perception of Godzilla as campy is like having your perception of James Bond be exclusively from the Roger Moore movies. Mm. They didn't start there. Dr. No, no which, and From Russia yeah. With Love are actually kind of intense. Mm. Uh, and then over time, that intensity just... kind of lighter and well, silly. The, the more you do the same thing over and over again, the less seriously you take it. And yeah. that would be true in real life as well. Mm. So it just gets kind of comfortable and people just start going for more fun reasons rather than to experience something some brutal metaphor for human tragedy so here we are mm. um anyway they uh the the zillions they take godzilla and rodan and they take them to planet x and they bring our two astronauts who for some reason still are spokespersons it's just because they're the protagonists of the film there's no actual reason for it to be them <laughs> and the head of the space agency go back up to planet x and at this point, I'm wondering, are Godzilla and Rodan conscious? 
Are they pissed? Is this fun for them? Well, to we, travel we, through the galaxy? We, we know they're conscious. Uh, yeah. And we know that they just... It is the nature of monsters to fight. That's what we've learned. Like, they, yeah. they show up and they just start wailing on each other. I realize that, but... but they're animals. They're territorial. But they're slightly more intelligent than animals. But, and they can communicate in English, as we learned from Mothra. Well, well, they can communicate in a meaningful language that can be translated to English anyway. No. More, more accurately. But yeah. So, they drop them on Planet X... They remove, like, the force field bubbles around them. And Godzilla and Rodan both immediately look super confused. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like they're in stasis, maybe, or something. But, like, all of a sudden, it's, it's, like, it's like, imagine... Well, have you ever taken, uh, like, yeah. an indoor cat that's never been outdoors? Yeah. And took it out, taken it outside and threw it in, like, tall grass? It, well, it freezes. It, it doesn't... Yeah. Know, well, yeah. you know... <laughs> Not like huck it overhand. I mean, like yeah. just drop it in the grass. No, we had a cat. Uh, his name was Leo, and uh, he had never been outside before. And he was actually like over a year old. He'd never been outside, mm. and uh, we were very, very careful the first time we let him outside. We want to make sure you know he wouldn't panic and run away. And uh, and I'll never forget we we opened the door of the cat carrier, uh-huh. and he walked outside, and then he just looked up <laughs> and he just kept looking Staring up he sky. just couldn't believe the sky that's adorable it was really really sweet um godzilla and Rodan are deeply confused and then immediately king Ghidorah attacks and i just kept thinking to myself what is the human equivalent of this like imagine if you're asleep and someone like gives you some kind of like knockout drug so that you'll be passed out for like a day mm. and then they drop you in the middle of the grand canyon and you wake up, and your old high school bully is here with a baseball bat trying to kill you. That's basically what just happened to Godzilla and Rodan. Okay. I, I, it's I very see, confusing. I, I can see that being a movie, though. I, I, my point is this. It's deeply confusing. Uh, and I feel really bad for them. They're just really pawns in the game of life at this point. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. They fight King Ghidorah. Godzilla does a cool move where he does, like, the sort of jump attack. Uh-huh. Like, he jumps at King Ghidorah and, like, throws him to the ground like a wrestler. And it's it's a fight. It's nowhere near the knockdown, dragout brawl we had with King Ghidorah it's, last time. But it's the middle of the movie. So it's actually pretty brief. That. But yeah. It's pretty brief. Um, and King Ghidorah fucks off. He mm. flies away. And Godzilla and Rodan are understandably quite happy about this. And then it happens. <laughs> the, well, this this is actually a pretty well-known moment at this point. It's pretty famous. Can, it's can, gift. Can, yeah, yeah. Can cl- clip it out and use it as a gift. But yeah. uh, Godzilla does a little victory dance. Uh-huh. He le- leaps in the air and crosses mm. his legs mm. a couple times over and over and roars while he does it. Yeah. Uh, and the thing about that is I hate it. You don't like the, you don't like the little dance? No, I don't like the little dance, and I and Ishiro Honda agrees with me. He hated it too. Uh, he didn't want to put it in there. I, it was I, it's hard. The first time I saw this movie, yeah. I didn't know what what was going on. Yeah, like was that a a, a dance of joy? Was it mm. some weird monster thing that it, I just didn't understand? It's my understanding that it's a reference to a uh, at the time popular manga series that was like a comedic series oh, like a okay. character in the manga would do that dance. um i've heard it described as uh kind of like going yabba dabba do 
on the phone oh, stuff. Okay. So it's it's something that people in Japan might recognize. Oh, go, to, so it's, to it's go a pop culture to, reference. To go back to uh, <coughs> Star Wars, yeah. uh, in uh, Return of the Jedi, yeah. there's a scene where, um, where Sasquatch... Uh, Chewbacca <laughs> had a little what? little brain fart for a second. The, okay. the Sasquatch, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, swings like from a vine yeah. and makes the Tarzan noise. Uh, yeah, yeah, but like in the the Sasquatch uh, language. Yeah. But it, it's meant to sound like Johnny Weissmuller doing the Tarzan sure. sound. Like that that was absurd. It is, is absurd. That, they have Tarzan in this universe, and that's what I'm thinking. Godzilla reads manga? Where did he get it? <laughs> like, how did they print it big enough for him to read? Like, it's... My God. He gets the large print books. <laughs> Picturing Godzilla with glasses. Like, oh, Jesus. Need to get these in large print. Oh, what a cute dance. I should do that sometime if the occasion ever arises. Um, Shiro Honda hated that. Apparently, that was an idea based on the limited research I was able to do. Apparently, that was an idea from one of the stars of the movie. Uh... Yoshio, sorry, Yoshio Tuchia, uh-huh. Yoshio Tsuchia, sorry, uh, who played uh, one of like the leaders of Planet X, uh, and he recommended the idea to the guy who was filming the visual effects stuff, and mm-hmm. apparently like it broke Ashura Honda's heart because light or not, that's a turning point for Godzilla. Uh-huh. That is Godzilla. You, you kind of don't take him seriously as a character anymore. Like yeah, he got lighter, he got less scary, uh-huh. but. He wasn't a joke. He wasn't like a thing that did pop culture jokes. Yeah. And honestly, watching it made me a little sad. Because I know it's going to get campier, and I know it's going to get less campy again. I know it's going to go in cycles. But I think it's a mistake. I I I think it's a toke over the line. I think it goes from, we're making these movies more family friendly, to we're making them a joke. Okay. And that bugged me. So I didn't care for that. I know some people love it. Some people like this campy, kitschy uh, side of Godzilla, and maybe other movies will navigate it better. But here, it just comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's really fucking weird. Uh, I don't know. I'm curious if anyone has any thoughts on that dance, if you like fully support mm-hmm. it or it means something to you. I would love to hear it. So uh, we... we Give her email address at the end, but feel free to write into We've Got Mail. It's, uh, you can lament that the series will get campier and that this is kind of the turning point from some, like, fun science fiction movies into something a little goofier. Yeah. But I'm okay with that because I like like goofy Godzilla. I don't mind. Like, again, I I think one of the things that makes a character or a premise or a world... Uh, something that can traverse the generations uh-huh. isn't a f- like Godzilla. I think has been going on long enough. Godzilla is not a fad. Yeah, you know, Godzilla is, a, is an institution, and I think in order to be an institution, in order to be Godzilla, in order to be Batman, in order to be Star Trek, there needs to be malleability. Hmm. You need to be able to adapt to changing tastes, uh, changing artistic styles, uh, changing themes. And that's fine. We don't have to like every single thing that happens. Yeah. And I think it's okay to say, I was fine with it getting fun. I don't like that it got ridiculous. <laughs> just uh, too, too far. That's just, too, it's, I, I'm telling you, that's the line for me. All right. It doesn't ruin the movie, but I didn't, I didn't care for it. Okay. Um, 
But in any case, Godzilla and Rodan defeat uh, defeat King Ghidorah. That's very convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, our our hero astronauts like abscond during the melee to try to right, investigate yeah. what's really going on, and uh, that's when they discover uh, that they've only seen up until this point the male zillions. Mm. When they go underground and discover the women of the planet, they discover two things that are somewhat strange. One, they all are played by the same actress. They're yeah, like they're, they're like they're clones. clones or yeah. or it's like that Twilight Zone episode where everyone gets like a makeover and look exactly the same as everyone else. Um and they look exactly like Glenn's girlfriend, <laughs> who by sheer coincidence was also the lady who bought the lady guard. So it's all connected. <laughs> It's a masterpiece. It's like Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy. <laughs> it's that tightly constructed. Yeah. Beautiful perk. Um, so they're all they're starting to get really suspicious now, but the aliens say, great, uh, here's the cure for cancer you asked for. Yeah, it's on a magnetic tape for some reason, but here mm. you go. And, uh, yeah. They take the tape back to Bye. Earth. And there's a, there's a moment that's where they hey, leave. Hey, remember in- Escape from New York? Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a moment where they're leaving Planet X. And they see Godzilla and Rodan watching them go. And Godzilla and Rodan look sad. They're like, hey, <laughs> don't forget us. What are we supposed to do here? You just took us here? What is this, Planet Hulk? You can't do this. And they leave. And they even say, like, I kind of feel bad for Godzilla and Rodan. Like, they're kind of a pain in the ass. But they're, they have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I feel like that's a good okay. moment that we acknowledge that we have sympathy for them. Okay, so I think that's a good moment that so, will change. So you're you're okay with them feeling sadness, but you're not okay with them feeling joy. I'm okay with them feeling joy. I'm not okay with them doing a pop culture reference. All right. I think here's here's what I'm fine with. I'm to go back to a previous thing. I'm okay with Godzilla. I'm okay with him jumping up and down with joy. Okay. I'm not okay with him literally yelling yabba dabba do. All right. I feel like that's distracting. And it, and it raises the question, how does Godzilla even know about that? I don't know that. It, that's weird. Clearly, it's for the audience. It's not for it is for the audience. I get that. But I'm the audience, and I didn't like it. And I, so I think it's fair to say it wasn't right. for me. Um, but again, tastes different. A lot of people enjoy it. Totally fine. My personal preference. I think it's too silly. Um, they go back to Earth. They've got the, the, the tape reel, and they bring it back. And they play it in front of all the world leaders. And at first, nothing happens. And they're like, is this the right format? Do we do, do we get like a reel-to-reel? What are we doing here? And then it starts playing, and it says, Ah, people of Earth. We've tricked you. We've tricked you. You are now a colony of us because you have given us all your monsters, and we're going to use them to conquer the planet. We have mind control devices. King Ghidorah was under our control that whole time. Yes, and you just gave us Godzilla and Rodan. Because the aliens weren't sinister at all. Yeah, and they're just and they're basically like, What you going to do now? And I'm like, Get Mothra? No one suggests it. No. <laughs> Not once. Someone say, let's ask Mothra again. Mothra is a big pushover and we'll do anything. <laughs> no, it's all on us this time. <laughs> Mothra's a pushover. <laughs> Mothra just didn't take a great nicely. deal. He, just, he asked nicely and when they're already like, 
Everyone on Mothra's Island is kind of getting screwed over and they're getting nothing in return. Mothra's a bit of a pushover. Mothra's a bullet. Mothra's the giving tree. And I know a lot of people don't like the giving tree because they don't like the idea of this thing giving until it dies. Yeah. You're one of those people, I guess. Well, I, I think there's a certain sad poetry to it. Yeah. But I also think that it's not a great lesson if you're telling people to be like the tree. I think mm. if you're if you're telling people to bend over backwards for everybody and give, 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 and never receive. I think the point of the book, uh-huh. because I'm going to explain a children's book to you, yeah. <laughs> is for you to recognize that there are people in your life who give of themselves for your benefit. Exactly. That's mm. a nice thing to appreciate when people give you things. Yes. But if we take that to an extreme and we just say, be the tree... Okay, now we need a little bit more nuance here because that's okay. actually not the best message. Is is that what the book is saying? You're reading no. the book and thinking it's be the tree? No, I'm not. My point is, uh-huh. Whitney, mm-hmm. not... It, my, <clears throat> my point is, if that was the message, it would be shitty. Okay. Ergo, don't give that message in any context. And I think Mothra could be considered the giving tree sometimes. Yeah. So... While I appreciate everything Mothra has done for us, I also feel kind of bad for Mothra because Mothra isn't getting much in return. And mm. Mothra is not a tree. Mothra is a sentient being mm. who has people of its own island that it's trying to take care of. And those people are getting constantly screwed over by the rest of the planet. So I have a little bit more sympathy and I kind of wish Mothra would stick up for themselves more. <laughs> okay. All right? <laughs> Fine. If the tree was Mothra... It would be a different book. You want the tree to stick up for itself and refuse and teach that other thing. I think it would be very, very nice Uh if the kid put a sign up that said, please don't cut down this tree. The kid cut down the tree. The kid was the one who cut down the tree. God damn that guy. The kid needed wood to build a house for his wife. There's no other trees? If there are no other trees, that's not enough wood to build a house. (laughs) Checkmate. Anyway. Uh, yeah, fuck you, Shel Silverstein, <laughs> writing that piece of shit book. Heck. Um, no, I love, I love Shel Silverstein. <laughs> the Giving Tree is a sweet book, mm-hmm. but like a lot of stories for kids, not mm-hmm. necessarily a lot of nuance. And when you start thinking about it more mm-hmm. broadly, you start realizing, okay, well, it doesn't really work if you analyze it too much. I, think, that's it's, all I think it's a fine book, and I think it, it works fine if you analyze it. Uh, and I, f- I feel the same way about Mothra. Mothra is a benevolent deity who uh-huh. gives... Yes. And expects nothing in return. Then where is Mothra? Where you know is Mothra? You know what what is Mothra? Is this, this, this the day Mothra went is, on a spa day? No, this is this is what Earth has given back to Mothra. What do you, uh, you okay, get to if, sit if this one, one out? Yes. It's like, <laughs> King Gideon is attacking. Look, we, we, we've asked a lot of you. Yeah. We understand you're pretty stressed out right now, so yeah. we'll let you sit this one out. Spa we'll take care of this one ourselves. Spa day for Mothra. I love spa it. Spa day for... Yeah. <laughs> that's the children's book tie-in. Yeah. Barb spa and Mothra go to Vista del Marthra. <laughs> Um, uh, anyway uh, the, the the zillions are landing on the planet and they say uh, we're going to give you this much time I think it's like 24, 48 hours, something like that and uh, if you don't acquiesce to all our demands we will simply conquer you mm-hmm. so the game is on uh, and all of our heroes are uh, trying to solve the problem so uh, our inventor friend uh, had sort of snuck onto the private island of this uh, clandestine organization and they threw him in a prison. They just had a prison ready. Actually, what they had first, and I love this, these are like high-tech aliens. They have technology beyond our wildest dreams, mm. right? 
And they're hiding out at this house on an island off the coast of Japan. And instead of building, like, a force field or lasers or even a fence, their security is a Looney Tunes trap door outside the front door of the house. <laughs> yes. And that made me laugh a lot because that's just a fun thing. I like that someone pushed for that and they, and they made it happen. Mm. Um, so he's been kidnapped. Everyone's like, where the hell is this guy? Uh, Glenn is starting to realize that the woman he loved is an alien. Uh, and she tries to tell him, no, our love was real. I was supposed to seduce you, but now I want to really marry you. And that goes against our culture because everything we do is chosen by a generative AI. Uh, and the mm. generative AI tells us when, uh, it's good for the plot uh, if we get married and stuff. And if I defy that, they'll kill me. Oh, no, they killed me! But not before I put this letter in your pocket that you won't even notice for a while. And that will be important later. So it's all very tragic. Glenn gets thrown into the jail. I appreciate the, that. It's the yeah. sad element to the yeah. story. It is. It is. It's a little, little poetry. Yeah. A, little, a little bit of information about why, you know, this. there's, there's this fun montage of kind of newspaper articles where mm. it says like you know when people say like okay you will either submit to our rule or we'll kill you and there's this montage of newspaper articles where it says mankind divided and it's like basically uh half of mankind wants to go to war with the zillions yes half of mankind wants not to go to war and then the two halves of mankind go to war over that which is kind of bit, appropriate bit of irony there you know, but, kind uh... of a delightful irony in and of itself so mankind is a mess. Uh, our heroes discover a way to possibly uh, uh, interrupt the the waves of mind control waves uh, that they're trying to build a device. Much like they often do, we got to build this device. Got to make it big enough. Yeah. Uh, got it. We, it won't be tested. Maybe it won't work. It'll work. Uh, and we'll find a way to prevent them from mind controlling Godzilla and Rodan. And then we can get Godzilla and Rodan back on our side, and hopefully they won't be too mad at us for stranding them on Planet X in the first place. Whew, big if. Okay, and uh, the other thing is that Glenn and the inventor realize, thanks to the note that Glenn's girlfriend left him, that the Zillions do have a big weakness, and that... Is, is happens to be loud noises, and that's why they wanted to buy the Ladytron and prevent it from yeah. being made. Ladytron, sorry, the Lady Guard, the, the, the Ladytron, Ladytron, like a band or something. I'm sure it is. Um, it's like remember in uh, uh in, in Spider Man comics, uh -huh. where there's an evil monster named Carnage, yeah, it's like this alien slime wrapped around a serial killer and mm -hmm. it just kills people, and it starts going out with a super villainous. Whose superpowers she can like scream super loud and like make yeah. your head blow up. Yeah. And it turns out that's the one thing the alien slime is weak against is like loud noises. Loud noises and fire, actually, but yeah. Oh, also fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, inconvenient. I thought they handled that good mm. as a plot point. The po polycule and, uh, he dates yeah. a screaming lady and a, yeah. and a person who can shoot fire. Again, and let there be carnage. It's about dueling polycules. Venom's mm. polycule is very supportive of one another, mm. Carnage's polycule is infighting. Yeah. That's why they lose. <laughs> Get your polyamory right, okay? It's a wonderfully queer movie. You, you I love that movie. You, you can't have a hierarchical <laughs> like a, system. It's going to backfire on you eventually. You just got to everyone be chill. Um, and it's a 90-minute superhero movie, and they squeeze all that crap in there. I love I, it. I love that movie so much. Um, 
I, a lot of people like look at me like really and then I explain that it's about like queer polycules yeah. and then they're like Okay, I can kind of see that. No, I mean, it's pretty explicit. It's pretty, it, it is, but not everyone's thinking scene. about it. He says, I'm coming out. I know, and, and he's covered in rainbow party, glow yeah. sticks and everything like that. He's wonderful. Um, anyway, where were we? Uh, so, uh, so they've got this thing, and it's gonna. it doesn't make their heads explode like in Mars Attacks, but it's basically the Slim Whitman plot from Mars Attacks. Yeah. And they're just going to play on the radio this high-pitched thing really, really loud, and all the zillions go, ah, this sucks. Um there's a great line when uh, they're attacking the zillions with this thing. And all of a sudden this very goofy movie gets like, it's, it sounds almost profound. Um, hold on. Where is it? I just, I had it. Did I write that down? Uh, ah, they're, they're about to be defeated. They're all about to die. And the leader of the zillion says, we shall escape to the future. That's right. The future <laughs> unknown. And there's something like, oh my god, are they going to time travel? Is there going to be like a future Godzilla movie where they come back? Is there? No. I mean, there, there's, there's... There's other aliens, I know that. There's different aliens. Yeah. There's going to be space apes at some point, which is going to be great. Uh, but yeah, it just, that feels like the kind of thing like, oh, we're, we're losing this battle. We must... Our, our only way out is to like teleport into the future to some point and mm. hopefully... Rebuild. Uh, no, it's just a very poetic way to say they're going to do it. It's weirdly poetic for this I, movie. I threw him into the future. Right? Yeah. My rule is law. Ah. Um, that's that's uh, it's Samurai Jack opening. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah. Um, Did you ever see that show, Samurai yeah, Jack? Yeah, it's not Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack rules. Um, so, yeah, they, uh, they, the Godzilla and Rodan. It, one thing that sucks, though, and I feel, again, I just feel so bad for Godzilla and Rodan. Uh, they managed to, the guys on down go on a brief rampage Briefly, and, start, yeah. and start attacking humanity. And then they fire this like beam and it hits Godzilla and Rodan. And you think to yourself, great, Godzilla and Rodan are going to be free from the mind control. Good for them. I'm happy for them. And now they can fight King Ghidorah and help save the planet. And instead it looks like it hurts them. <laughs> and they That's start probably, like, yeah. they start like, you know, quivering on the ground for a while. I'm like, can they not catch a break today? It's been so rough to be Godzilla and Rodan this week. They're they're immortal monsters. They can take it. Eh, just more more, or, less, more or less immortal. It hasn't been proven otherwise that they're mortal. Uh, I mean, they've killed a Godzilla and a Rodan. That's true. So they are. They, I guess it's hard to kill. Hard to kill, but possible. And we've established this already. Um, let me see here. Oh, um, I forgot about this. Uh, I don't know when they added this, but Godzilla has a flappy tongue in this movie. Uh, I think they added the tongue in the last movie. I don't remember it flapping There's, around so much. You didn't get to see it as clearly, but I... Maybe not. It, it, we mentioned that they've sort of slimmed down the suits, and they've actually used yeah. a different part, like the yeah. the Godzilla head with the swiveling eyes as a different appliance. Yeah, they've uh, actually and, got a new suit and, in this movie, And I movie think too. Uh, it, the head also had a moving tongue in the last one. But yeah, yeah in this one, I think it's a little clearer. Uh, when During a lot of the rampage on Earth, uh, they... They start reusing some footage from previous movies. I recognize some shots from Rodan mm. and Kong versus Godzilla. Um, there's also what makes I mean, you re- I mean, we're a decade deep into the series. I they're, get it. They're, they're starting to reuse. They're stuff, starting yeah. to save money. I get it. It's not that's not great, but it is mm. what it is. Uh, the thing that amuses me though is um, 
Godzilla and Rodan apparently really hate this one mobile oil building because I think they destroy it five times. The same building? The exact same building from different angles and it's in different parts of the scene. So it's not like the Jackie Chan thing where he wants you to see how great the stunt was. So he'll just literally show you the sun three times from different angles. It's like, no, they destroyed the mobile oil building. More stuff happens. Then they destroyed the mobile oil building. More stuff happens. Then they destroyed... I swear to God, I think it happens five uh, hold times. Hold on, let me look up the picture of from the Godzilla video game. Okay. Um, it's uh, one? it's it's just a still that like has been circling around as a meme, but it's an an actual frame from one of the Godzilla video games uh-huh. from like the 16-bit era, mm. where it's it's a news broadcast of Godzilla is kind of walking past uh, buildings, and then there's a newscaster in the foreground saying, "Godzilla, destroy the financial district, make the people happy." <laughs> That, that does bring me joy. Um, oh, a couple of new... Uh, is, go go I, ahead no. and destroy the financial district, Godzilla. Make the people happy. Nice. Uh, here, here's the, there's a picture of it. I'll show it to you on my phone there. Oh, uh, that's delightful. Yeah. <laughs> um, they know what people like. Uh, I always appreciate in Godzilla movies when there are new fight moves. And I'm always impressed that there's still new fight moves Godzilla's never done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one, we add a few to the repertoire. I already mentioned the flying leap attack. Uh, Godzilla also does, like, fancy footwork boxing, which I also think is a little too far over the line, but if that was all there was, I could live with it. Haruo Nakajima, who played Mm. Godzilla in most of these movies, uh, he can only have been relieved to finally get a suit that lets him jump around a little bit. I can appreciate that. I also appreciate that he's doing some real acting here. There's, like, a bit where it's like, we're holding Rodan and Godzilla at bay, until your time limit is up, Earth. Mm. And we cut to Godzilla and Rodan, and they're just, like, sitting on rocks, and I swear to God, if Godzilla had, like, pulled out a cigarette and lit it, just, like, bored, like, mm. waiting waiting for his call time, I would have bought it. <laughs> so it would have been hilarious. Wearing his motorhead tank top, yeah. yeah. But they also do a cool one that's uh, kind of like, um, if you remember in X-Men comics, uh, they had what was called the Fastball Special. Uh, isn't that where uh, somebody just picked up Wolverine and threw him? It's where Col- usually Colossus would pick up Wolverine and they just throw him uh. like to the top of a sentinel or a building or something like that. And he had his claws out and like, so basically turned Wolverine into a projectile. Uh, Rodan does that with Godzilla. He like flies Godzilla right. into King Ghidorah. And that's a treat. <laughs> that's a fun bit for everybody. I think we can all enjoy that. Um, uh, they all fight. Uh, and they all sink to the ocean in footage recycled from King Kong vs. Godzilla. Mm. And, um, and and then there's just dialogue saying, eh, they're probably all right. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> uh, they always have that bit like, oh, did they die? Is it poetic? And this time, like, no, nah, they're probably fine. <laughs> the end. Because <laughs> we're not even going to pretend anymore. The, it's basically the, like, they have to go somewhere. Usually <laughs> one last line of dialogue in Godzilla yeah. movies. Yes, and... The, the, we need to survey the destruction and contemplate yeah. our place in the world. We need and to use this tragedy to try to forge a peaceful future. Mm-hmm. And okay. it, it do you think the monsters are okay? Oh, they're fine. <laughs> We're at that point. Right. We're just like I, I'm reminded. Let's of, go to that um, Greek place. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I'm reminded of uh, there was a there was an old Justice League, not that old. There was like a Justice League comic from like ten years ago or something like that, where uh, Martian Manhunter died. Uh, Martian Manhunter big deal in the comics oh oh, oh no what a tragedy big deal in comics and the TV shows only had that one bit in the Justice League movie Uh, wasn't well handled I didn't care for it but um, 
I always like the character. They died in the comics, and they had a funeral for the Martian Manhunter, and they had it on Mars, and all the superheroes were there. And I remember, I, th- I forget who was given the eulogy. I think it might have been Superman. And I'll never forget this line. It was, uh, we pray for a swift resurrection. Which is just, <laughs> this is just, we mourn, uh-huh. but he'll probably be back. We mm-hmm. just hope it's soon. <laughs> That's it. Uh, They're so like, used to it now. Is there a moment in, in like, yeah. Godzilla or comic book history where somebody's sitting around, it's like, looking at their watch. It's been like three years and they're still dead. Like, I'm starting to worry. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, at that point, hmm. it is kind of weird. Like, it has to be at a point where, like, when Godzilla's attacked Japan so many times, hmm. you're just kind of waiting for it to happen again. Yeah. Like, it, it, seriously, it's happened. We've, it's Here, been Godzilla around for, like, literally ten years hmm. and he's fought, He's he's kicked our asses, like, Seven times already. They've built like in like in Blazing Saddles. They've uh. already built like a fake Tokyo <laughs> to, l- l- to lure Godzilla over there. So it's if he starts idea. rampaging, he does a lot of property damage, but nobody yeah. gets hurt, and there's nothing in those buildings. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and then he, then he kicks his way off of the set of the movie. Um, anyway, this was another film uh, that was produced or co-produced by Henry G. Saperstein uh, to release in America. Uh, so he liked them fun and silly. So this one has that fun, silly vibe. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think there's anything else particularly noteworthy about the production that we haven't already covered. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than Ashiro Honda really not being happy about that dance. Um, in fact, let me see. I think I have a quote here. Um, Yeah, uh, it was a vicious cycle of time and budget. If we recycled scenes from previous movies, we cut the Vex budget. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, wait, not that I'm thinking. That's not the right quote. Um, blah, 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 blah. And it's fine. Okay, I guess I can't find that quote. <laughs> right. I thought I had a quote, All and right. then I don't, and I'm very embarrassed. Totally. Yeah, I can't help you with this one. I'm no, I'm, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a whole fucking thing, isn't it? And that's fine. It's just fine. Meh. Anyway, Godzilla, uh, thoughts about uh, Invasion of Astro Monster? Whitney, hmm. I'm not going to uh, I I dig it. I, I like this uh-huh. one. I like how silly it is. I'm I'm a f- mm. fan of silly Godzilla. And I'm, yeah. I'm also one of those weirdos who doesn't mind when James Bond gets silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're dealing in a silly universe. This is a universe of mm-hmm. gigantic monsters and space aliens have already shown up when we have Mogeras and and Atragons, and Space Amoebas, and Rodans, and creatures that breathe blasts of radiation. Hmm. I don't necessarily need heft and portent Again, and drama I, in these kinds of movies. It's, it's not, okay, yeah. after, especially after a decade of these things, mm-hmm. to start being playful. Uh, Again, I'm not saying it's a binary. I don't think mm-hmm. it's all one or all the other. I think it's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay to have... References. By the way, I found that quote. It's actually from uh, Ryuji Honda, uh, Ishiro Honda's son. Okay. Uh, who said, when they made Godzilla do uh, that Shie thing, which is the name of the dance, All right. uh, I knew how pissed my father was. He didn't say a word, but he was beyond angry. My father found it humiliating. I am sure he was telling himself, we did not create Godzilla for that. <laughs> it is not right. And I can appreciate that. And Ishiro, if anyone has a right to be upset about that, it's the guy who directed the first Godzilla movie. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's... And, and the guy who directed this movie. Yeah. Like, he, he didn't want it in this film. He got mm. overridden by the studio. So, I get it. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm with Ishiro Han on this. Now, again, 
it's like complaining about the Adam West Batman. Yeah. That wasn't what Batman was created for either, but by that point, it is what it is. Yeah. And you kind of appreciate well, that. So, what, well, again, this one was done with, with joy and aplomb, mm. and yeah, some of it's bad, some of it's, it's very I mean, good. And, and it was made yeah. like 25 years after Batman had been created. Yeah. It's like, we're well a ways away sure. from you know, whatever vision somebody had mm. at the fir- at the start. And again, the malleability of the character is key because, we, for example, we had that very silly, intentionally so, and very, very mm. funny, silly 1960s Batman and then we had the Dark Knight Returns, and mm-hmm. then we had Tim Burton's Batman, and then we went a little too far pendulum swing. Some people argue in the other direction with Batman and Robin, and mm-hmm. then it swung right back around again to Batman Begins. It's always yeah. it's always shifting. It's always. I, mean, I know in the comics, all kinds of like oh, the yeah. Joker peeled off his own face and stapled it back on, and like, yeah. there's all kind of. But weird, then also that it's silly things twisted too. Stuff, so so like, it, there's always yeah. there's always a different take, and that's Here, that's fine. And Godzilla would get more serious again as yeah. well, and then get goofy again, and they get more serious. I think the idea. I think what's going on here is I just I'm having fun. Uh-huh. I like to have fun. I, I yeah. don't. I don't want to. I don't feel like I need to delude myself into thinking I'm consuming some kind of hefty drama. Again, I'm not uh, asking for hefty drama. Yeah, I, I just oh, want to take the character a little seriously. Right. I want to be able to care about the character and not see him as a clown for our amusement. Bringing right. it back to it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I don't want Godzilla to be a clown. Right. I but think God- Godzilla as a clown is a bit too far in the wrong direction. Right. And King Ghidorah has access to the deadlights. <laughs> I buy it. King Ghidorah is really evil. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I was told King Ghidorah is the evil one, and I, I thought know. to myself, well, and he is. But like, I imagined in my head, like this kind of like weird scheming force that was trying to corrupt people and shit. And it was I like was, he's like Satan. Like, kind of, like, he was like, I kind of imagine he was Satan. And like, no, it's not. He's just, he's just the one. He's just the one kaiju who can never be convinced to fight another kaiju for, for good reason, reasons. For good yeah. reasons, yeah. Just wants to wreck shit and yeah, kill. It's kind of pure, right? So, like, it's almost as though, you know, we lost Godzilla as a villain and we had to replace him with somebody. Yeah. So we no longer have Godzilla as a villain. Godzilla's becoming the hero character. And that means we need to have, we need to fill that role. That That is a vital role. We need to have a kaiju who represents bad. Mm. And now we have King Ghidorah. And King Ghidorah is very bad indeed. The one thing I regret that we haven't had yet, and, t- and tell me if we get this, because I've seen a few other films, but mostly the other King Ghidorah stuff I've seen is like the legendary monsterverse. Um, we've got a sense, I think, of Mothra's personality. We've got a sense of Godzilla's personality kind of evolving, you know, from angry monster to kind of petulant child mm. to increasingly heroic figure. Uh, do we ever get a real sense of what Ghidorah's personality is, or is he just a force of destruction? He's just a force of destruction. Okay. Um, just he, pure hate. Okay. This, this shiny, pointy monster that yeah. just wants nothing but no, nothing other than to hurt and kill. What a uh, jerk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and here, here's something I appreciate. Um, they never tried to uh, redeem King Ghidorah. There hasn't been a Godzilla movie where King Ghidorah has to team up with Godzilla to fight an even greater monster. If there's an even yeah. greater monster, Godzilla is on the case. Right. And King Ghidorah is busy being evil somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means that uh, Godzilla gets to remain the resolutely moral figure in this universe. I mean, now, yeah. Now. Didn't you uh, it, it, It's not that... Uh, you watch a lot of uh, like superhero stories or a lot um mm. 
various long-running franchises where the villains become very beloved and they end up yeah. sort of like fighting alongside the good guys eventually yeah. and they just over become time. good guys over happens time. in Dragon Ball um, happens in Fast and Furious happens in Batman the, uh, Fast, yeah. Fast and Furious is a key example it's, 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 all, even, all the villains join the good guys I, I, I liked it in the Fast X when they just said it's like this it's like a cult yeah <laughs> people just keep joining them no matter how they start out yeah, we had this like vicious serial killer who might have killed one of our friends, and we're inviting him to the and, barbecue. And, and not, now. Yeah, now he's just joining the barbecues. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. I feel like there is a line in the Godzilla movies that they've never crossed, where mm. uh, they just sort of there's this sort of sense that the world is very benevolent. There's a, a kind of a balance in the world of Godzilla, mm-hmm. where the, the evil will attack and the good will uh, fight back in exchange, mm-hmm. um, which is. Uh, if it were an American film, the the good guys would continue to grow the ranks, mm-hmm. the light, uh, because mm-hmm. we live in a world of of dualism. Uh, we live in a dualistic world. Oh, some the, would the, argue the the, the, dark, I, the dark and the light are are fighting, and they are not yeah. one. I don't actually Whereas, agree with uh, that, but I understand the yeah. That's, that's I understand the philosophy. Yeah. So sort of the 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 East, Eastern versus Western philosophy ideas. Yeah, uh, yeah. Godzilla is is the force of good. And he will counter the forces of evil, and yeah. they, and forever shall the sides be playing. So what you're saying is that if King Ghidorah did a cute little dance, mm. that would be too far. That would be too far. So you're saying there is a line. There, there there's a line. We can disagree about now, where the if, line is, but we agree that there is a line. Now, if I saw King Ghidorah doing a cute little dance, uh-huh. and I thought it was cute, probably wouldn't mind. <laughs> I guess I'm an easy mark. You are. I also like kitten videos, so don't don't, <laughs> don't like, ask me for anything. Everyone likes kitten videos. Yeah. No one, no one, no one. Even people who don't like cats like kitten videos. Uh, anyway, that is it for Thank Godzilla. It's Friday this week. Thank you everybody for listening. If you want to join in the conversation, you can send us an email. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Yeah, send us a physical letter to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Mm-hmm. We're on social media. I'm at William Bibiani, I'm, pretty much everywhere. Yeah, I'm at, at Whitney Seibold. Find me on the Instas and the Blue Skies. Yeah. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim uh, as well. And uh, next time on Thank Godzilla, it's Friday, we're going right back to Frankenstein territory because that film had a somewhat sequel called War of the Gargantuas. Oh, yeah. And I've never seen War of the Gargantuas, and I'm very excited because I've heard it's wild. It's uh, named after the Francois Rabelais book from this 16th century. Part- Gargantua and Pantagruel. Read a book. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, however, if you're listening to this podcast uh, on our main feed, the one with all the commercials on it, uh, if you sign up for our Patreon, you get all of our episodes a week early. So if you're listening to this episode on the main feed, that episode about War of the Gargantuas, it's already on Patreon and it's ad free, even for one dollar a month right now. So sign up, get the episodes early, vote for future episodes of the Iron List. You can join at different tiers. You can get bonus podcasts about every single movie ever nominated for the Oscars, about every single episode of Star Trek. There's a big back catalog. If you sign up now, you get access to all of it. You get access to all of our older uh, Patreon shows, including a show dedicated to every single episode of the Adam West Batman that is still available to everybody who signs up at that tier. Um, And... um, yeah, and again, you get episodes of Thank Godzilla It's Friday one week early. So thank you to all of our patrons. Thank you for sticking with us. We hope you enjoy uh, your various exclusives. Uh, and uh, it just means a lot to us that you support the show, because without you, we couldn't do what yeah. we do. So thank you for everything. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.
Rawr. <laughs> <laughs>